The reading this morning, as you see it, is Acts 4, 1 through 13. Just to give you the context before I read it, Peter and John were walking up to the temple at a, a time of to time to pray in the temple, and they came across a lame beggar, and they uh, they healed this lame beggar. And uh, when everybody saw that, they came running to Peter and John, wanting to know what happened and how they did that. And so that's where Acts 4, beginning in verse 1, begins. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. appreciate Chuck leading us today in, in, in worship. He uh, uh, sometimes leads at the Grove City Church of Christ where, where he's a member. And so we appreciate him uh, filling in today. Fred Fryman was our newspaper carrier for a, a number of years in my neighborhood of Martins Ferry where I grew up. And uh, he was a couple of years older than me and, and of course, larger than I was, as were all the kids, uh, even those of my own age and some who were younger. Anytime he saw me out playing while he was delivering his papers, he would pause so he could build up his self-esteem by taunting me, pushing me around, and wrestling me to the ground and not letting me up. Today we call that bullying. Bullying has become a much more serious problem today in schools and in the workplace. And I read in one place that one in five students experience bullying in some form. On March 29, 2010, an article appeared in the New York Times newspaper concerning an incident of bullying that had very tragic results. Here's an excerpt from the article. It says, It's not clear what some students at South Hadley High School expected to achieve 
by subjecting a freshman to the relentless taunting described by a prosecutor and classmates. Certainly not her suicide. And certainly not the multiple felony indictments announced on Monday against several students at the Massachusetts school. The prosecutor brought charges Monday against six teenagers saying their taunting and physical threats were beyond the pale and led the freshman Phoebe Prince to hang herself from a stairway in January. The charges were an unusually sharp legal response to the problem of adolescent bullying, which is increasingly conducted in cyberspace as well as in the schoolyard and has drawn growing concern from parents, educators, and lawmakers. The problem of bullying has, since that time, continued to worsen in our society, and it unfortunately affects Christians. In a book titled Good Faith, Being a Christian When Society Thinks You're Irrelevant and Extreme, the authors Dave Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons indicate that Christians are considered extreme or radical if they are active in evangelism. And what results from society's bullying and intimidation are Christians who become timid about sharing their faith or even talking about their own faith. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Word. We discussed that it's the Word that the world needs, and it's a Word that cannot be stopped. And what you begin to see early in the book of Acts is the spreading of the Word. However, as the word begins to spread, so does opposition to the word. There were several barriers that the word encountered as it began to spread. And I want to, over the next few weeks, examine those barriers in the book of Acts and how those Christians responded to those barriers. In Acts 3, Peter and John, as I just read a part of that, were going up to the temple to pray. They encountered a beggar who was unable to walk from birth. And the beggar spotted Peter and John about to enter the temple, and he asked them for money. And Peter told him, you know, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And Peter then said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And according to Acts 3, verse 7, Peter took him by the right hand, helped him up, and instantly the man jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You can can just imagine his joy, you know, he's testing out those legs. You know, is this real? A crowd of people who witnessed it came running to Peter and John. And Peter took that opportunity to begin preaching the word. And how Jesus had been handed over to be killed. How God raised him from the dead. And by now... And now, by faith in Jesus, this man had been healed. In other words, he was preaching the word that Jesus is Lord. And beginning in Acts 4, as Peter was preaching, as I just read, some of the Jewish leaders seized Peter and John. And they put them in jail. And they seized them because they didn't like someone else teaching their people. Particularly, they didn't like them teaching that Jesus was the one who healed that man. The next day, the Jewish leaders questioned Peter and John and and demanded to know, you know, by what a power and what name did you heal this man? And Peter began preaching the word again, telling them it was by the name of Jesus whom you crucified, but God raised him 
from the dead. And, and, and so Peter's message, when you read the whole message it's to these religious leaders, it was basically about Jesus is Lord and we are witnesses of it. And the reaction of the religious leaders is described in chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The power of the word was evident in those men's lives. Is it evident in your life? Is the power of the word evident in your life? At this point, the religious leaders recognized that they had a problem. You know, Peter claims that this lame man was healed by Jesus, but they thought Jesus was gone, that he'd been crucified and buried. The problem was that they could not deny that a miracle occurred because according to verse 16, it was evident to all the people of Jerusalem that this man was healed. So the religious leaders couldn't say it didn't happen. So what did they do? What did the religious leaders do? They tried to bully Peter and John into silence. And that's what some people will do when they are in a difficult spot and they don't get their way. They resort to bullying. The religious leaders attempted to bully and intimidate Peter and John by warning them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. <laughs> they didn't want the people to hear the word anymore. Peter and John responded by saying, we, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. So the leaders threatened them again, according to verse 21, but, but were afraid to punish them any further because the people were praising God. The people who had seen it and heard about it. So, so they finally just let them go. And so the first barrier the apostles encountered as they began spreading the word was the barrier of bullying and intimidation. Satan through the religious leaders, tried to bully them into silence because the last thing Satan wanted was the spreading of the word about Jesus. So how do you respond when someone tries to bully or intimidate you from speaking about your faith in Jesus? If you've, if you've never experienced that, you might want to ask yourself why. We live in a country that has religious freedom. But there are many groups and individuals who try to bully or intimidate Christians from speaking about their faith in the public arena. There are some employers who forbid their employees from talking about their faith while they're at work with their co-workers. There are school districts that forbid teachers from mentioning God and Jesus or even the Bible in the classroom. You know, and, and as representatives or ambassadors for Jesus, for Christ, we should never be pushy, we should never be mean, or vindictive, or arrogant. But we also should not be timid or afraid. Paul explained to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Fear is not a legitimate reason to remain quiet about the gospel. 
The greatest enemy of faith is not doubt, it's fear. According to William Ivey, the majority of the things we worry about are either A, things that never happen, or B, things over which we have no control anyway. His point is, not only do we not have enough information to justify our worries, we also are virtually unable to alter the outcome of most situations. Our worst fears are generally fears of the unknown. Meaning we just don't have enough information. And what typically happens is that our imaginations begin to run wild. Conjuring up worst case scenarios. We become fearful, anxious, uh, and even overwhelmed. And yet the source of our fear is non-existent. Except in our minds. Think you can. Think you can't. Either way, you're right. As a man thinketh, so is he. Let me illustrate as to why this is true. In a book titled Bringing Out the Best in People, Alan Lloyd McGinnis wrote, For nine long years, the record of the mile hovered just around four minutes. As early as 1945, Gunder Haig had approached the barrier with a time of four minutes, 1.4 seconds. But many people said... You know, the, the, the limits of physical capacity had been reached. It was impossible to break the four-minute barrier. But in 1954, Roger Bannister broke the tape at three minutes, 59.4 seconds. And here's what happened after that. As soon as the myth of the impossible barrier was dispelled, the four-minute mile was attacked and pierced by many with apparent ease. In almost no time, the four-minute achievement was bettered 66 times by 26 different runners. And if you dismiss that as, as merely the power of competition, the point is missed. There was just as much competition before the four-minute mile was broken. The succeeding runners discovered from Bannister that it can be done. As a man thinketh, so is he. If you think you can't talk to someone about eternal matters, about your faith, you won't. But if you think you can, you will. God does his most powerful work through you when you exhibit faith, when you step out in faith. I want you to notice how Peter and John responded to the bullying of these religious leaders. In Acts 4, verse 23, beginning, it reads, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. So their response to this barrier of bullying was to pray. And I want you to notice what it was they prayed for. Verse 24, Lord, you're the one who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, through our father David, your servant, you said, Why are the nations so angry? Why are the people making useless plans? The kings of the earth prepare to fight, and their leaders make plans together against the Lord and his Christ. These things really happened when Herod, Pontius Pilate, and some Jews and non-Jews all came together against Jesus here in Jerusalem. Jesus is your holy servant, the one you made to be the Christ. These people made your plan happen 
because of your power and your will. And now, Lord, listen to their threats. Lord, help us, your servants, to speak your word without fear. Show us your power to heal. Give proofs and make miracles happen by the power of Jesus, your holy servant. Notice that they did not pray for the religious leaders' hearts to be changed. They did not pray for protection. They prayed for courage and boldness. They prayed that they could speak the word without fear. Notice what also occurred when they finished praying. Acts 4 verse 31, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke God's word without fear. You talk about an immediate answer to prayer. If you ask God to speak with the word without fear, you will. So Peter and John did not allow this barrier of bullying and intimidation to stop them from teaching about Jesus. And neither should you. They prayed for courage. They were given courage. And according to Acts 4, verse 4, many, chapter 4, verse 4, but many of those who had heard Peter and John preach believed the things they said. They were now about 5,000 in the group of believers. So the Spirit of God kept empowering the church, and as a result, many, many believed. So I, I, I challenge each of you this morning to speak the word every chance you get. And, and maybe sometimes we might have to make the chance, you know, rather than waiting for an opening. You know, I've, God, I've, just, I've done this before. I'm, I'm guilty too. God, if you'll just give me, just, just help me here. Give me a, give me a little opening, God. Don't wait for that. And secondly, I challenge you to pray for the courage to stand up to those who try to intimidate you or bully you into silence. Speak the word. The word is powerful. When it's spoken, Hebrews 4.12 indicates that it pierces the soul and spirit of a person. People will believe if it's spoken. Edmund Burke once said, the only thing necessary for evil to exist is for good people to remain silent. You cannot, you must not remain silent because God's word is the word of eternal life. If you've not yet responded to the words about Jesus, I urge you this morning, I urge you to repent of your sins, I urge you to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit. God will enter into your body. You will have the power of God in your body. And this promise is not only for you, but as he, they said in Acts, it's for you and your children, for all who are far off. It's for everyone. If you have been bullied or intimidated by others into silence, I urge you to repent this morning. I urge you to change. I urge you to ask God to give you the courage it takes to do it, and you will. If we can help you this morning, if you have any kind of a need whatsoever, if you're ready to put on Christ, 
or you just need prayer, we invite you right now as Chuck leads us in this song. Let's stand.